0: And thank you so much for tuning in to the Travel and Transformation Show with me, your host, Sophia. And my guest today is Angela Duncan of Empower Her Money podcast. And that's also where you can find her on IG. and the best-selling author of Empower Your Money. Thank you so much for joining me today, Angela. Thank you, Sophia, for
1: having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, me too. Now, Empower Her Money. I love that because I think a lot of women aren't in a spot where even if they're making really great money, they're not necessarily making great money decisions. Mm. So I think when you can really empower your money, as you put it, then you empower yourself to make better financial choices. And I think that can really transform your life Mm. because, you know, it's all about personal transformation. I think a lot of this is mindset. So. Let's get into it. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about your story and how you got to where you are?
1: Yeah. So I like to start my story from a very young age. I'm a survivor of childhood abuse and poverty. And we moved around a ton when I was a child. And so there wasn't anybody around to teach me about this tool that we call money. So when I was old enough to sign a lease on my own, I moved out and I was on the five year college program. But I worked my way through college worked many jobs. And when I landed my first job at Bank of America, I knew I wanted to be a financial advisor and learn more about investing. And I was fortunate enough to have some amazing women that were around me that I asked lots of questions that i kind of just got involved in their world so that I could learn more about investing because I figured if they're doing it and they're successful at it and they're confident, you know, amazing women that I needed to surround myself with people who are doing bigger things than me so that I can learn more about this tool that we call money. So I've been studying personal finance now for over 25 years in many different ways and businesses. And so kind of at a point in my life where I really want to teach women how to use this tool and use it to empower their lives so that they can live in what they feel is a financially free lifestyle. I love that. And I like that you call money
0: a tool. Because I think we have so much meaning making around money and what money is, what money should do, what money is to me. Can I even have it? Do I deserve it? Thinking of it as a tool, that right there to me is an aha moment and kind of a mindset change. Mm -hmm. Looking at money as a tool. I like that a lot.
1: (laughs) It removes the emotion behind it because it's just a tool like this video we're on, right? Or like a pen. Like you want to think of it of how do I take this tool and use it the best way possible in my life? Like you said, that mindset shifts because you're taking the emotion part of what it is. I love that. See, now I'm going to have to hold on to that piece.
0: So I don't know if anybody else is going to take away anything, but we're in the first five minutes and she has dropped a nugget. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I know that
1: you're into real estate. So how did you get started there? Yeah. So. When I was pregnant with my daughter, who is now 20, I knew that I wanted to provide her with a stable environment. And because I grew up in such an unstable home and because we moved around so much, I remember what that felt like as a child. So when you become a parent, you always want better for your kids. Mm -hmm. And so I started to learn more about real estate and I had an opportunity to buy a house. Not the greatest neighborhood. I really didn't know anything about checking comps or figuring out, you know, is this going to be the best neighborhood for us to live in, for my daughter to grow up in? And I resell this someday. The only thing I knew I wanted to do was have a house that I could come home to every day. And so that's kind of where my love for real estate started is because I got into this process and I knew what it felt like to have a home. And I thought, how amazing is it if I could help other people do that? So then I got my real estate license and started on that trail just to really absorb lots of information and also but always been a numbers person. So the investment piece of real estate has been something that was very intriguing to me. So to learn just to be a student, you know, if something is interesting to you and you want to learn more about it, there's so much information. I mean, I didn't have YouTube like we do today. I think it was around, but it was nowhere near the massive amount of information that's free for you to just jump on and be a student, right? So for me, it was reading books, going to the library, listening to CDs so that I can just Absorb more information and learn more so that I can work on becoming what to me felt financially free.
0: So I've heard this thing about becoming a passive investor in real
1: estate. Can you tell me what that is and then how you do it? Yeah. So it's changed so much over the years. In fact, these last couple of years for me, I really become a student of what's called multifamily investing. So instead, I used to buy a house and then find a renter for it. And, you know, you're responsible for everything. So if the toilet breaks down, if there's a roof leak, to me, that's not passive investing because I'm very involved in that process. So I wanted to switch to somewhere where I knew that I wouldn't have to be watching that constantly. So it can come in different ways. One is you can hire a manager. They can manage that property for you. On the single family home, you're still kind of involved because you have to make decisions when it comes to repairs. So the last few years, I was fortunate enough to become a mentee of Grant Cardone. So Grant Cardone is very huge in this multifamily space. And I thought, again, if I'm going to learn about something, I want to find someone who's doing big things and is successful. I mean, he has a four billion dollar portfolio. So I think he kind of knows a little bit about real estate, (laughs) Messi. Just a little. (laughs) But, you know, in his world, you have to pay to be part of his mentorship. And so I thought, well, this is an investment for me. I want to learn how to be more passive. I want to put my money to work and not have to worry about getting calls about broken toilets on Christmas. I mean, I want those people to be taken care of, but someone else is going to manage that for me. So that's what I consider passive, where I'm giving my money to an investment. And I don't have to do anything. I just receive a check every month for it.
0: So obviously everybody's different. Every property's different. All of the things, right? But how much would you need to get started to invest like in a multi-family home? And do you need a group of investors to do that? I know I'm asking a ton of questions all at the same time. And then how do you find these investors?
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, there's so many avenues. You have to do your research and you have to think, what am I comfortable with? How much money can I put aside? Because you have to know that this money that you're putting into these real estate investments, you can't go and say, excuse me, I need my money back because my car broke down. Like this is money you're setting aside that you plan to, you know, on my case, I think about it as I'm not going to see this money again. It's going to be in an asset that's going to grow the value of it, but I can't pull that money back out. So you really have to know that. And there's many, many avenues. I mean, I think even Amazon now is in this fractional real estate space where you can go in, pull your money together, let them management for $500, you can go buy a piece of a condo, right? So it really depends on what you're comfortable with. How much money can you set aside and for very long term? And how much do you need to make with that money? So there are small pieces that you can do $500. Grant Cardone has a fund where you can do 5000. This is this his minimum investment? But there's tons and tons that allow for you to have smaller investments so that you can at least get started on that real estate investing. And then as you grow your business or you grow, you know, your W2 income and you can put more money aside, then you can grow. But you can start small and there's plenty of avenues nowadays that allow for you to do that.
0: I like the idea of dipping your toe in the pond and starting small. So that it doesn't, again, feel like, oh my God, doing a thing. It's like, yeah, I just, you know, I used $500 of this tool to be a part of something bigger and Mm -hmm. it can give me a return. So I'm really liking that part too.
1: Um, And it's funny that you say that too, because I do think, and this is probably one of your questions, but as women, we're a little bit scared. So like dipping your toe feels somewhat okay and maybe a little comfortable. Whereas my mentor, Grant Cardone says, go bigger, go bigger. Like, why are you investing in a single family house when you can invest in 500 units, right? You own like a very small piece of it, but do you want to own a hundred percent of a grape or do you want to own 5% of a watermelon? Like that visual piece of it. And it's yeah. scary for us because we're very heart centered and we get a little bit more nervous than our male counterparts when it comes to investing. But- you have to know what are you comfortable with before you head down that road. And I never talk about investing until we figure out where you are, your income, your expenses. We need to look at all of that first before we think about investing because I need to make sure that your house is in order Mm -hmm. before you go put money in someone else's house. I like
0: that also because you hear so much about investing, but I think, and then, but I'm not a financial advisor, that you need to have a certain amount of savings cushion before you go and invest because again like your earlier statement if your car breaks down mm-hmm. you can't take the money back so you right. have to have a cushion so that if your car breaks down you can okay so I have this savings things here that I can go and handle my car so right. I can be functional in my life <laughs> but you said women are more heart-centered so That really says to me that women do think, invest, and act differently than men. So can you Mm -hmm. give maybe a couple more examples of that? So anybody who's listening might be able to identify themselves in this.
1: Yeah. And this can get us in trouble, to be honest, because you have to follow certain rules when you're investing in real estate. So Sophia, say, for example, you bought a house and you moved this nice family. They moved into it. They qualified according to your standards, you know, whatever your credit Or your income criteria is they moved in and then Christmas comes and they spent too much money during Christmas and they're calling you in January and they're saying, Hey, I'm a little short. Do you mind if I pay you a little bit in the first and a little bit on the 15th? Well, you might think, No problem. But now you're allowing this standard to start because you know what it feels like to perhaps not be able to have enough money to pay your bills. Mm -hmm. So you give them a little leniency. Well, you've kind of set that standard now. So next time that they're having trouble, they're going to come to you, Sophia. And your heart is going to be, okay, I'll help you because that's what we want to do. As women, we help each other, right? We could feel what that feels like. I'm a parent. So if I need to, you know, put food on the table or pay my rent, sometimes you've got to make decisions. And that's going to bite you in the butt sometimes because you have to think about that tool. You bought this house. It's a tool. It's supposed to be creating income for your family. And now you're using your heart to make decisions instead of using your mind to make decisions. And as women, we lead with our heart. So sometimes it's hard to remove that emotion and come in and think about, okay, what's the best thing I think I need to do and keep my rules in place? Because now when I go buy another house and put another family, I have to apply the same rules. Otherwise they could be taking advantage of me and not that they may be meaning to, but if I allow it to happen, they're going to continue that cycle and you've got to not get into that cycle to start.
0: And I like that. The words you just use allow it to happen because mm-hmm. we do teach people how to treat us and then we allow things to happen. I'm not saying, you know, please don't think I'm saying everything that happens to you is like, you know, you did it. But a lot of times we do train people how to treat us. And so I think even looking at it, From a money standpoint, it's like you don't really think about it that way. Mm -hmm. But again, here's a new way to think about it. You're trying to be helpful, but at the same time, you're training people not to pay you. (laughs) And you need to get paid. Right. So I know another thing that you've talked about is having multiple streams of income. So can we
1: Mm -hmm. talk about that for a bit? Yeah. I mean, this is really, too, for my business owners. You know, we think about our businesses as one way of creating income. So for me, for example, my business is podcasting. I'm a host of a podcast. You know, there's ways that you can create income from that. But now that I've established this podcast and kind of I'm in the market as this person, how else can I create another way of income? So for me, you know, I wrote a book. So I've got a way for that income to come in. And then I do speaking. So I have a way for that income to come in. Now, it might not apply to all people, but if we think about real estate investing, multiple investments is still multiple streams of income. Now, I also have money in the stock market. I don't believe you know 100% real estate because I can't control either side for a lot of things. So I'm taking my risk down a little bit when you put money in different places that you have researched, that you feel comfortable, that you've hired an expert to manage. So those Income comes in so that I'm never really nervous about any one. So, if the real estate market gets a little tough, then I've got the income over here in the stock market that's still giving me some income. And then it allows for me to have logical decisions instead of emotional decisions because I've got multiple places that that money is coming in. Now, if you only have a job and you have no other income and you lose that job, how scary that feels. But if you had other income coming in from other places and you lost your job, still scary but I've got my bills paid and now I'm going to go find a job. And that allows for you to make better decisions when you don't have so much pressure, when you have multiple streams of income coming in.
0: And that, especially with what we've just gone through with the pandemic and everything, Mm -hmm. a lot of people did lose their jobs. You know, it was scary. And I actually know people who are still looking for jobs since Mm -hmm. then. And they don't have multiple streams of income. It is scary because then it's like, what's next? And then you don't make logical decisions all the time because now you're coming from a place of fear and scarcity. And how am I gonna instead of, oh, okay, well, I've got that check coming in and I've got that check.
1: coming in. So I think things, you know, like giving yourself grace, if you are in that transition period, Maybe you do go on rover.com and you do, well, like dog walk or dog sit. Maybe you go to Amazon and you read books and get paid to be the audio person of an audible book. Maybe you like to cook. Well, put some ads on Facebook and just say, hey, I can come cook for your dinner party. Or maybe like me, I don't cook at all. So if I have a dinner party at my house, food's coming in, then I'm not going to create myself. So it's like figuring out what are you good at? What do people ask you questions about? What do you have some fun with and make that your side hustle until you find that new job? And maybe you find out that this is going to be a business for you. And that's great. Or it's just going to be a side business. And that's okay. You know, whatever it is, there's so many options for you to be able to create income from Uber drivers and tutoring math from your home via Zoom, you have got to go outside that box a little bit and not be so nervous. But you know, Try some new things and see, you never know. You might create this whole business that you never knew that you could do because it's something that you enjoy doing that just naturally easy for you.
0: I like that all those ideas just easily just rolled off because they're not necessarily things that people might think about. You know, it could be your new side hustle. Even if you're not in a transition period, it just could be a thing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you are just dropping so... Many nuggets to me. I know my audience is going to love this too, because again, I think mastering your money can really transform your life because it does allow you to do so many more things. I mean, I've heard so many times that money doesn't make you happy. It's like, yeah, but you know, you can buy a lot of things that do, (laughs) or live a lifestyle that makes you happy, or have a degree of freedom that makes Mm -hmm. you happy. So, this tool called money can do a lot, you know, and yes, happiness does come from within and it's an inside job and all the other good things, but all the outer trappings can be pretty cool too.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean think about like, you know, I'm happy when I give money to my church, but I need that tool to be able to do that. I'm happy when I can, you know, give my daughter something, take her out to dinner and spend time with her. That tool is needed. So like you said, that mind shift change. Not thinking of money as any emotional thing, but what in my life do I need this tool for that helps create some happiness for me too?
0: So we've already talked a lot about it, but I'm just going to ask the question to see if anything else just actually rolls off. (laughs) What mindset changes beyond using money as a tool do women really need to have around money?
1: Yeah. And you kind of touched on this earlier, but we deserve it we deserve to live in abundance. This world has abundance all around us. And when you give yourself grace and say, yes, I deserve this, then it allows for your brain to kind of look for opportunities. We hear this example all the time. When you're thinking about buying a car, you start to see that car everywhere. Mm -hmm. because you told your brain, this is a car I'm thinking about. And now it's looking for that information. So when you tell yourself, I deserve to live in abundance, I deserve to be debt-free. You know, whatever it is that is important to you, your mind starts thinking about it. And now it's looking for these ways. How do I make that happen? That's what your brain wants to do because you've told it, this is what I want. So that's one of the things that I talk about. The other thing is positivity. The more that you can live in positivity, the more gratitude that we have. And I did this recently as an exercise, but it's like even the silly things that we think are silly, I have a car and I'm thankful for it. I can go get gas at a gas station. I'm thankful for it. I can turn on the faucet and water comes out. There are 90% of this world that lives in areas where they still don't have like running water. Right. That is something that we should be very grateful for. And when you start feeling that gratitude in your heart, it's just, you share it. You shine a light on people. And when you have that positivity, that abundance flows in, and whether that's money, whether that's friendships, you know, whatever it is that you need in your life, I'm a firm believer that I have no room for negativity. The way I start my day is positive. The way I end my day is positive. It just allows for me to think more clearly and be able to create that abundant lifestyle. That's my version of what's important for me. I really like that. So
0: just. As a side note, somebody gave me a vase and on that vase, it says grateful. And so I put it there and every time something pops into my head that I'm grateful for, I write it down and I pop it in that vase because I figure on the days when I don't feel as up and as shining bright and all that other good stuff, it's a gloomy day within because yes, we can bring our own weather, right? Right. If our weather is sunny, that's great. But sometimes our weather is cloudy with a chance of rain. So when I have that, I can go back in I can start pulling stuff out. And it's like, and then it changes the weather. It changes the weather because it's like, yes, all of these things. Look at all the great things that have happened in my life and all the things that I'm grateful for. So I love that you brought that up. And for me, it's a practice you know, Mm -hmm. some people have a gratitude journal, but I've just decided to write on my little index cards and just drop them in this phase. And so I look at the phase all the time and I see it packing up with all the stuff. And even that is a visual reminder of all that I have to be grateful for. Yeah. So I like that you really brought that up. That's really good.
1: And it is awesome because it does take effort. You know, if someone's listening and they're like, well, I'm not a positive person or I don't feel like I'm in a positive environment right now. It takes work. Like you have to choose to write that card. You have to choose to read it when you're not feeling in that positive space. These are all action items that we can do. We have control over. We have to choose to do that. So even if you're not in that positive space, which I was not always the positive person. I mean, when I was married to my ex, I would call myself the realist. And he's like, no, that's just another word for being pessimist. Right. And so I didn't want to be that person anymore, but I had to choose to take the action to be different. So it is every day. You've got to keep choosing that decision.
0: And choice comes in so many different ways. Right. Because I believe everything you do is a choice. And even when you don't realize you're making a choice, it's a choice. And when you don't do something, it's a choice. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole, other way of looking at the way things move through life, right? Or the way people move through life. Because sometimes it's like, you hear people say, oh, I did this because I didn't have a choice. It's like, well, yeah, you did. It's just, this is the choice you Uh huh. And when I even think about that, and some of the things that happened in my life, it's like, you have to take a step back and say, well, what choice did I make? Or what choice didn't I make? That has me in whatever the situation is and mm-hmm. then be able to take responsibility for it.
1: Right. And know you can change your choice. If you made a choice, didn't work out, make a different one.
0: Yes. Yes. I love that part. So what tips can you give to women for mastering their money? Maybe as many as you can. Yes. Because you just keep <laughs> dropping the bombs. But
1: <laughs> yeah. So first, and it sounds simple, but knowing your numbers is huge. So a good exercise is to print out, and I like printing because it's very visual, but if you pull up your credit card statements, pull up your bank statements, and print out 90 days, look at your numbers. What are you spending money on? And take a highlighter, and I want you to really challenge yourself and think about, do I really need this? Is this helping me to get to my goals? So when you first look at what you're spending money on, I mean, the average person has like 10 subscriptions between Netflix and Hulu and gyms and any app that you've downloaded. You know, Rocket Money is a good app that helps you to track and cancel your subscriptions. But even if it's five dollars a month, if it's not serving you, then cut it loose. Take that money tell it where to go and put it into something that's going to be serving you and helping you to reach your financial goals. So the first thing is always look at your numbers, figure out what is your income? What are your expenses? Cut out everything that you do not need. And then think about, you know, let yourself sit in that for a little bit. So if you're just going through this exercise, give it a few months because you may say, oh, well, now I definitely don't need this. Or you've thought about cutting something out, but you We're a little uncomfortable about it, you know. Sit on it, and then maybe next month you'll finally say, "I don't need that." So then, once you figure out how much money you have left at the end of the day, your idea of the savings account absolutely got to put money away because things will happen. It's just part of life, and you want to have some money set away so that you feel comfortable. So you've got that money set away, but also keep in mind that that savings account is meant to be used. So when they say like saving for a rainy day, your car breaks down—that's your rainy day. Use that money. And put some money back into it. And now, where do you want to invest? For me, it's real estate and stock market. That's what I learned. That's what I became a student of. And it could be different for different people. There's lots of different avenues to create income, but having those numbers first, savings account, then start with your investing. And one of the first things I always say about investing is my retirement. I'm a mother, but I have to save for my retirement first because my child can go get a loan for a car, for a house, for her education. I cannot get along for retirement, so it has right. to come first. Those are my first three steps. And when you get those down, then we can start looking at real estate investing because you've kind of mastered and told what your money, told your money, this is what I want you to do for me. So have a date, have a money date.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Print out your statements. And as you're talking, it's like I'm listening. But then there's that little piece in my mind that's like, yeah, if you printed that out. <laughs> And you really saw where your money was going. Would you be happy with that? (laughs) But at least you know, now you know what you're doing, right? Exactly. And it's not like I don't know what I'm doing, but it's the visual. Uh And it's so easy. That's the hard part. It's just so easy because every time I click that button online and then I get the present at the door, Mm -hmm. it's like you get that dopamine rush.
1: (laughs) Maybe delete the app for a week. You know, if you're a Starbucks person, you order through a Starbucks app, delete it for a week. You can always re-download it. Your account still exists, but delete the app. That way it makes it a little bit harder. And then you think about, do I really need this Starbucks today?
0: Right. Or like you said, the subscriptions, like I have several subscriptions and one of them is like pretty expensive because I'm doing all these other things. I don't get a chance to actually utilize it as I should. And I shouldn't shit over myself, but As I should, because I'm paying for it and it's not cheap. So, you know, I keep wavering between, well, it has good information, but I'm not using the information. So do you pay for information that you're not using or do you just stop paying for it and then figure it out at some point when you can use it? Yeah. So that's my debate that I've been having with myself. So after this conversation, it looks like there's at least one subscription that I'm going to get rid of. (laughs) Because, (laughs) seriously, because that money can be put to better use somewhere Mm -hmm. else. Because Mm -hmm. let me just ask you this to get your feedback on it. Because we talk about saving, right? We talk about investing. But if you have debt, how do you deal with the debt? Because my thought is that you should pay the debt before you invest. But then if the investment is going to bring you a big return, And you can use the return to pay the debt.
1: So in your opinion, what do you do first? Depends on the debt. So if it's credit card debt, interest rates right now are upwards of 30%. I am not a huge expert in investing, but there's very few places you can get 30%. So debt, credit card comes first. And if you've got multiples, we live in this instant gratification, right? So for me, if you have multiple credit cards, I'm tackling the one that has the smallest balance first so that when it's done and I'm not using that card after that because I want to keep tackling that debt, I feel great because Mm -hmm. I actually accomplished something. You know, I've heard other people teach where, you know, you tackle the highest interest rate first, but if that's the largest balance and you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, then you're not as motivated to do it if this is your first time around. So look at that Mm -hmm. debt's, And look at what you're being charged for that debt. And if it's higher than what you think you can get in either stock market or real estate, you tackle the debt first. But say, for example, you bought a home and you have a 3% interest rate because you bought it at a time when the interest rates are low, that debt's okay. Let's go ahead and invest the other money because you're more likely to get a better return on that money than the interest rate you have on your house. Mm -hmm. But credit card debt, car loan debt, student loan debt, look at the interest rates. The higher the interest rate, you want to tackle that first.
0: Okay. So you heard it here, guys. (laughs) If you have that kind of debt, tackle that first. And then along those same lines, what do you think about getting a consolidation loan at a lower interest rate to pay off the higher stuff and then go from there?
1: Look at the fees. I want to know what those fees are. Mm -hmm. Some of these companies will charge thousands and thousands of dollars, which can end up being more than if you just tackled it by yourself and kept paying the interest rate. So look at the fees. There are some good nonprofit organizations out there that can help, but for the most part, a lot of these companies that do consolidations, they're in it to make a profit. So understand that. And they're obviously gonna take your payments from the smaller scale that you were paying and you know spread it out. It could be 30, 40 years. Does that make sense for you? You know, You've gotta look at what your individual situation is. Yes, that interest rate might be lower, gonna be paying it for a longer period of time but make sure that the fees that they're tackling in there they have to be transparent by law if you ask them for the fee structure breakdown they have to show it to you so look at those fees and say is it worth me paying this fee so that I can save a little bit on the interest rate for the longer term and it could make sense for a lot of people it just depends on how much debt and what kind of debt that they have
0: okay well thank you so much I mean you have given us a lot of really great information today and even some small ways to start changing your mindset. But I just want to bring up the biggest nugget for me. Money is a tool and that takes the emotion out of it. So it's just a tool like a hammer and you just use it as such. One more thing before I let you go. So for women who think that travel is too expensive, what would you tell them? I think I want to leave it on that note since we've tackled how you can transform your life through your finances. Now let's look at a little bit of travel and finances.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so I'm going to take it from the U.S. perspective because U.S. versus international could be very different, especially if you've not traveled internationally. So one of the things I think about with U.S. travel is we've had such an advance with like Airbnb and Verbo and online rentals that can be so much cheaper than staying in a hotel. And you have your own space, your own privacy. So I definitely challenge you to start there first and think about the seasons because sometimes seasons are different prices. But you can message that person that has that listing at Airbnb and offer them a little bit less. If it's off season, they might take a little bit less for that and you can negotiate with them. So know that you can negotiate. Two, Groupon is still around. People don't use Groupon a lot, but you can do experiences in different areas for much cheaper. If you're a museum person like I am, When I travel, I can find a Groupon ticket on for museums for almost half the cost as if I just walked to that museum and went to it. So that's two. The other one that I love to use is Card Cash. It's an app. So say, for example, I know I'm going to be driving and I've mapped it out. I know what kind of gas stations are going to be in the area. I can buy a gas gift card on the app for like 5% off. Or maybe I know I'm going to go to a specific restaurant. I can find a gift card on that app for maybe 10% off. So I'm saving money by looking for different ways to do the same thing, but just do it a little bit less expensive with the technology that we have available for us. So those are probably my three tips for you if you're thinking about traveling and to help you save some money.
0: Okay, I like that. And sometimes it's not about, as you're saying, it's about saving money as you're doing the things not looking at it as such a huge expense, but looking at ways that you can save while you're doing it. So Mm -hmm. that again, is a different perspective. And I think a lot of things that we do in life is about perspective Mm -hmm. and how we choose to look at things. So thank you for being here. (laughs) And if you guys want to find her, again, her IG is Empower Her Money. And you can also listen to her podcast Empower her money, yes. so just get that into your mind there. Empower her money, and I'm sure she'll have so many more tips and mindset changes that are in her
1: podcast and on her i g so make yes. sure that she get on during involved. the month of January, my book Empower Your Money, which is on Amazon because I know a lot of people set financial goals in January. My book is free right now on Kindle. All that I ask is if you download it. Leave me a five-star review. Let me know that you were able to get the book and read it. But there's great tips in there as well. And for the month of January, it's going to be free on Kindle.
0: So is that any Kindle or is that Kindle Unlimited? Okay. Any Kindle. Yep.
1: Anyone. Okay. okay. yeah. So you don't have to be a paying Kindle person on Amazon. And I'll probably extend it into February too, because I want to give people enough time, but it's free. I put it at $0 for the download. Perfect.
0: So anybody can just jump onto Amazon, look up the book empower your money mm-hmm. and download it for free. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for that. I know I appreciate that. And I'm going to jump on over to Amazon and just keep it too that Kindle download. So thank you again and have an amazing day. Thanks,
1: Sophia.